0: Hello everyone, it's Pastor Bill, and as you can see, I'm speaking to you once again from my house. Uh, We're having Pastor Paul Vandenbrink speak at our Vesper service this week. I again had uh, some additional responsibilities, and so uh, though we had Pastor Paul speak for our Vesper service, we still wanted to deliver another reflection on one of the Ten Commandments. And of course, we are now at the tenth and final Commandment. It is Saturday afternoon, and yesterday we heard news that the province of Ontario was putting Hamilton back in the gray zone. This is not exciting news for me. I suspect it's not exciting news for you. And it means that we'll have to uh, put out some more information for our church about what we're going to do going forward. So please stay tuned. And... Uh, my sympathy goes to you if you're frustrated i'm very frustrated as well but we're going to entrust this to the lord in prayer and pray for his blessing in spite of these restrictions let's now get to the 10th commandment the 10th commandment says you shall not covet in the heidelberg catechism which is um, a document that was produced at the time of the protestant reformation in the 16th century to explain the fundamentals of the Christian faith, we get what on the surface seems like a rather bland explanation. And what the Heidelberg Catechism essentially says that the Tenth Commandment means is that not any thought of ours or desire should ever arise contrary to any of God's commandments, but that we should hate all sin and delight, perhaps you're wondering is that really what the tenth commandment is after it sounds a lot like the meaning of the first commandment where idolatry is forbidden i think it's important for us to see that this is intentional on god's part that the tenth commandment very much parallels the first commandment the first and the last commandment are addressing the same concern and it's for this reason that the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3 verse 5 says covetousness is idolatry breaking the tenth commandment is breaking the first commandment what is idolatry well idolatry is the sin of looking to someone or something for those things which only God can provide Looking to someone or something for that which only God can provide security, uh, satisfaction, happiness, and so forth. In both the first and the Ten Commandments, God is after all of our lives heart, soul, mind, strength, body. We should love Him with all. We should love our neighbors as ourselves. God is after not simply external obedience, he is after internal obedience as well. And what really makes desire problematic is not desire per se, but the object of our desire. If the object of our desire occupies the place God has, we are guilty of coveting Desire in itself is not a bad thing. As I've said before, if it weren't for desire, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. But when the object of our desire occupies the place that God has, we are guilty of coveting. Now, I want to illustrate the sin of coveting with two stories from the Bible, and then we're going to get to the cure for coveting. The two stories are parallel in many ways. They are the stories of the rich young ruler and of the Apostle Paul now if you're familiar with the Gospels you know that at one point in his ministry Jesus was approached by a rich young ruler and the rich young ruler says to says to Jesus good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus says why do you call me good there is no one good but God himself he goes on to say you know the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not murder, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And the rich young ruler says, yes, I have obeyed all of these commandments since my youth. Interestingly, Jesus doesn't mention the 10th commandment to the rich young ruler. But in a sense, he does in what he says next. Because he says to the rich young ruler, okay, Then go, sell all of your possessions, give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And the rich young ruler was unable to do that, and he went away sad, because he realized, or perhaps he didn't realize, he was not keeping the Tenth Commandment. He was coveting. In his attachment to wealth, he had an attachment to that which only He had attachment to that which was occupying a place that only God should occupy. The other story I mentioned is the story of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul also had a great attachment. He had a great ambition, and his ambition was to outdo his peers in zeal for God. And you can see from Philippians 3 that Paul boasted of an extraordinary spiritual resume He excelled in being spiritual. He excelled in zeal for God. Now, the Apostle Paul points out that it was the Tenth Commandment that was responsible ultimately for his undoing. The Tenth Commandment was responsible ultimately for convincing him that though he uh, practiced outward conformity to the law Though on the outside he seemed zealous, he was in fact a sinner in his heart. And I want us to listen to what the Apostle says in Romans 7, verse 7. He says, What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, you shall not covet if the law had not said you shall not covet but sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting for apart from the law sin was dead now where do we see this in the life of paul well this is a particular thesis of sinclair ferguson it may be proposed by others as well but Ferguson proposes that Paul became aware of his coveting when he encountered Stephen. One of the seven men appointed to be a deacon in Acts chapter 6. And Stephen is described as a man who was full of grace and full of God's power and full of wisdom. And of course he was arraigned before the authorities because of his testimony and his faith in Jesus and he was put to death and we're told at the end of Acts 7 beginning of Acts 8 that the Apostle Paul was standing there consenting to his death. Ferguson proposes that it was here that Paul began to uh, understand the sin of coveting because Stephen was beating Paul at his own game. Stephen was excelling In an area where the Apostle Paul had wanted to excel, it wasn't. He He was excelling beyond what Paul had excelled in. Here was a man full of grace and full of God's power and full of wisdom, having precisely the resume that Paul so desperately craved. So we're seeing here that coveting has to do with desire. something that is occupying the place of God in our lives now what then is the cure for coveting I think there's good news embedded in the words you shall not covet and the good news embedded in the words you shall not covet are you need not covet there is a way to go through life without coveting Now, the solution is not the one proposed by our Buddhist friends. For our Buddhist friends, the cause of suffering is desire. And the way, therefore, to experience happiness is to relinquish desire. The Christian answer is not to relinquish desire, but to reorder our desire and to refocus our desire on God himself. I'm thinking of what the psalmist says in Psalm believe it's 37 delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart look to the Lord for everything set your heart set your minds on things above where Christ is at the right hand of God how do we go about doing that well I'm very fond of uh, something that my friend Jen Pollock Michelle teaches in her book teach us to want where she points out that the Lord's prayer has the capacity to apprentice us in the vocation of following Jesus. The Lord's Prayer can disciple us, can train us, can recalibrate our desires for their right purposes, reorder our desires for God himself. And if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, you know how it begins. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, focusing our desires on God himself. I think this is what Jesus himself is teaching us in Matthew 7, in that part of the Sermon on the Mount where he's telling us not to worry. And then he says, uh, you know, your father knows what you need even before you're, you ask. Seek first, he says, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you god in christ gives us everything we need gives us security gives us satisfaction gives us safety we need to lodge our trust in him i don't know if you're anxious about the future i don't know if you're looking for happiness but this is a A little practice that I sometimes do, it's one I've learned from Henry now in a state of anxiety or in a state of desire where you feel like you're breaking the 10th commandment and guilty of idolatry perhaps. Say the words of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I need nothing. And to say those words slowly, and to say them repeatedly, and perhaps to emphasize a different word each time you say it. The Lord is my shepherd. If I have this shepherd, I have need of nothing else. The great cure to coveting, recognizing that in Christ, God gives us